Jessica Tandy and Hume Cronin in The Marriage. With the conviction that marriage remains the most popular domestic arrangement between friendly people, NBC takes pleasure in presenting one of the most distinguished couples of the American theater, Jessica Tandy and Hume Cronin as Liz and Ben Marriott, bringing you the love and laughter of the marriage. By now, everybody knows what happened when the apple fell on Isaac Newton's head. My son Pete knew the answer when he was six. The apple hit him on the head so hard it made him invent gravity. But there's another side to the story. Have you ever wondered how Sir Isaac felt just before the apple hit him? That vague feeling that you're about to give birth to an idea. All you're waiting for is something to conk you on the head. I was experiencing all of Sir Isaac's pre-apple symptoms. That night, Ben came home and couldn't find me in the kitchen. Liz. Hello, darling. Where are you? I thought you'd be in the kitchen. I got out on good behavior. I'm in the living room. What are you doing here in the dark? Thinking. What about? I don't know. Now, how can you think without knowing what you're thinking about? That's just what I was thinking. Ben, where are you going? Out in the hall. In a minute, I'll come back in again. We'll start all over. Just bear with me, darling. I've fallen into place before long. Let's go in and eat. Dinner's ready. Without the kids? Emily's spending the night out with Ellie. And our television set's being repaired, so Pete left home. Know something? I'm not sure anymore. I've got a funny feeling the kids hardly need me anymore. Oh, come on now, Liz. I wouldn't say that. What would you say? Why... I'd say sure, the kids are getting older, but, well, I'd say... That's what I thought you'd say. Look, let's break this mood. After dinner, how about asking uh, Mike and Peggy to come over? Fine. With one condition, that you and Mike don't spray the writs and torts all over the rug. What do you mean? The legal routine. Do you think I'd let shop talk ruin a social evening? I refuse to answer that, on the grounds that it might tend to incriminate me. Mike and Ben gave the greatest display of self-control I've ever seen. Not a habeas corpus reared its ugly head for about ten minutes. And then the conversation took a sudden turn, very subtly. What'd you just say, Liz? We were talking about the play Ben and I saw last Saturday. And you said there was a judge in it whose intentions... Oh, no, no. I said it was hard to judge the playwright's intentions because... Oh, that's right. Because I was going to tell Ben about this judge's intentions. Not old Kennedy again. <laughs> oh, no. Listen, listen, I said it was hard to judge a playwright's I'm intentions. I'm telling you I was there, Ben. I won't believe it. Gentlemen, would you mind... It was a divorce case, a loop. I could just see the old crow half asleep. And... He only woke up when he heard the word infidelity, like an old fire horse. Gentlemen. Listen to this, Liz. You'll love it. Go on, Mike. It was no use. They were off and running with seven laps to go. I'm glad they're off on their legal mumbo-jumbo, Liz, because there's something very important that I wanted to get your opinion on. A hair dye. Oh, but how did you know? Tell me the truth, Peg. What if you woke up one morning and all the beauty parlors were on strike? The department stores had put a ban on lawyers' wives, and you became allergic to canasta. Huh. What would I do with myself? Exactly. You know what would happen? What? 
I'd become an expert at the ibbledy-bibbledy game. The what? Oh, it's easy. Stick out your lower lip and run your finger over it like this. Oh, come on. Let's go into your kitchen and, and make some coffee for the men we love. Peg. Uh-uh, not another question below the belt like the one you just asked. No. But did you ever get conked on the head by an apple? Oh, various other things. Not an apple. Why? Remind me sometime. I'll tell you how it feels. Ben? Yeah? Are you asleep? No, not really. I've just made up my mind about something. I'm going back to work. Huh? Really, I'm serious. Why, Liz? Uh, I don't object. But why? Well, it's really very simple. I love you. I love Emily and Pete. But? I... No but. When we got married, I held down an important job in a department store. I felt creative, useful, needed. Yeah, thanks, dear. That's the most diplomatic description I've ever heard of a wife supporting her husband through his last year in law school. That made <laughs> me feel doubly useful, Ben. Then came the kids, and for a long time they needed me, lots of me. And that felt good, too. Ben, you know those ancient fire axes that hang in the subway inside glass cases? Use only in case of emergency? That's the way I feel now. So, either I go back to work during the hours when I'm not needed at home, or else... What are you thinking, Ben? I was just thinking that the store that gets you will be a very lucky store indeed. Oh, that's quite a nice thing to say, Ben. Oh, I mean it. If you were an asset to the store 15 years ago, I'd look at you now. Happily married woman, mature, experienced, <laughs> even level-headed. <laughs> Why, if I were a department store, I'd greet you with open arms. <laughs> now that my mind was made up, I couldn't wait. By the following afternoon, I had an appointment with Mr. Potter, the new personnel director at Hunts Fifth Avenue. And when I walked into his office, I was in complete agreement with Ben's description of me. Happily married, mature, experienced, level-headed. What else could a department store want of a future employee? First, Mrs. Marriott, we'll want you to take a battery of psychological tests. We call it a personality inventory. Our little way of discovering the hidden assets and, uh, shall we say, liabilities of any future employee. Psychological tests? The psychological tests frighten you? No, why should they? They really shouldn't frighten you, you know. Well, they don't. Well, after all, they're just some questions and answers about yourself. Simple, but revealing questions. So, why should they frighten you? Mr. Potter, they don't. I'm perfectly at ease. Of course you are. Then why did you say it just like that? Uh, how? Of course you are, like that, as if you didn't believe me. <laughs> well, now, most married women who come up here looking for work come only when they're unhappy with their marriages. The idea of a psychological test frightens them because it might reveal to us their unhappy emotional state. Oh, but I'm coming back to work for quite the opposite reason. I love my husband. Do you? Uh, certainly. The children are normal? Certainly. They're so normal they hardly need me much except in the evenings. I've got time on my hands. I want to put it to good use, so here I am. If you're looking for the unhappily married woman trying to escape her marriage, I'm sorry, I don't fit. 
I happen to be very happy in my marriage. Of course. I understand perfectly, Mrs. Marriott. Now shall we see what the personality inventory reveals. The last test I remember taking was around the time Ben and I got married. It was a blood test. The first test Mr. Potter asked me to fill out was intended to reveal whether I was the active or the passive type. I turned out to be a sort of live-and-let-live type. By the time I got halfway through, I was so bored that by comparison, the blood test seemed intellectually stimulating. The next question. If you had your choice of going to a dance or reading a book, would you choose the book? I don't know. Uh, uh, please, Mrs. Marriott, uh, yes or no? Well, how can I answer just yes or no? I like dances and I like books. But the last dance I went to was Ben's class reunion. <laughs> they held it at one of those nightclubs where the floor was so small, all you could do was hop up and down. I began to feel like a kangaroo with a hiccup. Don't you feel that way about nightclub dance floors? Oh, yes, I sure do. The last place I went to, New Year's Eve, the floor was so small that I... Uh, uh, please, Mrs. Marriott. Uh, if you had your choice of going to a dance or reading a book, would you choose the book? Yes or no? Is it a good book or one of those southern novels with Spanish moss hanging from the binding? Yes or no. Well, I guess I'll have to answer that one the only way I know how. <laughs> Please do. Uh, yes or no? Yes and no, depending on the book and where the dance is being held. Next question. Do you find it difficult getting up in the mornings? Uh, yes or no? Sometimes. <laughs> At the end of an hour and a half, I had answered all of Mr. Potter's questions, but he still hadn't answered mine, whether or not I had a job. In a week, Mrs. Marriott, you did well in the word test, but you were a little weak in uh, wiggly blocks. After we've gone all over your tests, we'll be able to give you a definite answer. I hope it will be favorable. Thank you. There are one or two executive positions opening up. Each of them could use a mature, experienced, level-headed woman... With a happy personality. <laughs> I, I hope you still don't think I'm trying to hide a miserable, broken-down marriage under a cheerful disguise. <laughs> That's what you were thinking when I first came in now, weren't you? <laughs> Shall we talk about that again when you come in next week? <laughs> when I left Mr. Carter, his cheerful laughter followed me out, and I was positive I had a job. After all, why should anyone in his right mind doubt that just because a woman wants the dignity of working and being creative, she couldn't be happily married? Hi, Mother. Hi, Emily, dear. Guess what? You got a new dress. Oh, better than that. Yes. Mommy, for goodness sakes, I'll bust. Burst, dear. I got a job. That is, I feel pretty certain I've got one. A job? Your father and I talked it over. Isn't that wonderful? You're going back to work. You and Daddy talked it over. I'll know definitely next week. Oh. Uh, how is Daddy, Mother? Uh, uh, Daddy's fine. You saw him this morning. Why? Nothing. I just asked. I guess after you talked it over, you decided to look for work. Is that how it went? No. As a matter of fact, we talked it over because I'd already made up my mind. Women do that, you know. Yes. M Mommy, is there anything I can do to make it easier for you? 
Until you and Daddy decide definitely. Decide definitely about what, Emily? I just hope it doesn't happen. But what doesn't happen? It's all right, Mother. I'm not a child. Whatever you and Daddy decide, well, I'll still think you're both wonderful people. Just hope it doesn't happen, that's all. Oh, no, no. Emily, look at me. I am, Mother. No, you're not. Look me right in the eyes. Now, listen, darling. I'm going back to work because I've got time on my hands and because I want to put it to use. It doesn't mean that your father and I are headed for a divorce. Do you understand that? In the movies, when a woman goes back to work, well, I thought... I know. I know what you thought. I'm almost beginning to believe it myself. <laughs> that night, I had a dream. I was caught eloping with Mr. Potter, who had decided to run off with me because I had improved in weekly blossoms. Ben was suing me for custody of a little white-gowned angel named Emily. And the judge in my dream was Mike Simon. Actually, as a matter of fact, Mike dropped over to see us a couple of nights later. Hello, Liz. Hello, Ben. How are you, boy? Fine, Mike. That's a boy. I told Peggy you don't have to worry about Ben. Peggy worries about me? <laughs> Look, you don't have to keep up a front for old Mike. You too, Liz. After all, if a man can't rely on his friends in rough times, what are friends for? Wait a second. Let me get something straight here. Uh, who's having the rough time, and which one of us is the friend to be relied on? Look at him, Liz. A real plucky guy. Keeping up a front as stiff as a boiled shirt. Oh, well, now that settles one thing at least. Ben, you're having the rough time. Mike wants you to rely on him. For what? Well, that's what I came to see you about. Just a little case, Ben, not even in your line. The wife of the chauffeur of one of my clients, well, she sent her laundry out and they mangled the sheet something awful. She wants to sue the laundry. Not much, Ben, but I think I can get her to let you handle the case. After all, in your condition, well, I mean, every little bit helps, doesn't it? Mike, uh, do you think I ought to bone up on some laundry cases? Hmm? Well, a few good wet wash precedents might help in a case like this. Uh, Mike, what do you think? Well, I wouldn't worry too much, Ben. I mean, will you catch on quickly to things? Sure. I'll carry this laundry clean to the Superior Court. Look, Mike, did, did you... Where did you get the idea I was doing badly? Oh, now, Ben, I mean, everybody in the neighborhood knows. After all, what's it mean when a guy's wife suddenly has to go to work? Would you gentlemen excuse me? Is something wrong, Liz? Yes. I'm afraid I'm going to start choking myself any minute. Ben. If I hear myself explaining once more how well we're doing and how happy we are, I think that's just what would happen. Go ahead, Ben, darling. It's your turn. You explain. <laughs> oh, Liz, you're kidding. I don't believe it. I it's absolutely true. Marie, turn these dryers off. You're not going to hear in all its juicy details. Well, thanks. Now, Mike actually thought Ben was going broke <laughs> because you're taking a job tomorrow. That's right. <laughs> and I married the nut. <laughs> you don't know what a relief it is, Peg, to find somebody understands. Well, what? I should hope so. If I didn't understand, who would? Oh, 
Honestly, that sounds so good to hear. You know, it takes a woman to understand why another woman would decide to go back to work when, when her husband was earning enough and more. Have, um, have Ben's attentions begun to wander? Huh? Probably his secretary. And so you're going back to work. That'll make him wonder a bit about but whom you're meeting every day and, and why there's so much night work. Of course I understand. Why are you looking at me like that? If, if you're not worried about Ben, then why are you suddenly here in the beauty parlor? I needed a shampoo. Oh. Peg, do you remember that night when I asked you what you'd do if the beauty parlor suddenly closed up? Mm-hmm. I remember. You used to be a crackerjack designer. Remember how you accused me of hitting you below the belt when I suggested that you might be doing something useful now with your spare time? Yeah, I, I remember that, too. Why? Well, after we get our hair dried and set and gooked up, you and I are going to some nice, quiet tea room. I want to find out if beneath that wacky exterior there isn't something more than a superficial interior. For about an hour and a half, I gave it to Peg without mercy. Because I respected her and loved her, despite her silly surface. And finally... Peg did a funny thing for somebody who just had some harsh words said to her. She looked at me for a long time, and then... Thank you, Liz. Very much. Oh, maybe... Maybe I shouldn't have said some of the things I did, Peg. No. But... I'm glad. I'm glad you said all the things you did about the things a person can do with a person's life. Even a woman. <laughs> At 2 p.m. sharp, I put on the corsage the kids had left for me in the refrigerator. Two roses from Emily and a daisy with a little chocolate syrup on it from Pete. At 2.15, Ben called me from his office to wish me well. Also, to ask if I'd settle for wine at dinner that night instead of champagne because champagne affected his sinuses. At 2.30, I was heading up Fifth Avenue advancing on Mr. Potter like Caesar on Gaul. But by three o'clock, also like Caesar, I had been stabbed unmercifully. With so many of our applicants being either lonesome widows or divorcees with problems, we have to pick and choose carefully. Don't you agree, Mrs. Marriott? Do I have a job or not, Mr. Potter? In your case, I'm afraid you've presented me with a dilemma. If you're as happily married as you claim you are, then why should you want to work? After all, a happy marriage makes a happy woman... On the other hand, if you're not as well off as you claim, then surely you owe it to us, Mrs. Marriott, to let us know what your problems are, don't you think? Uh, 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 Mrs. Marriott, please don't. Mrs. Marriott, please don't. The door is part glass. By 3.15, I was out on the sidewalk again. Miserable, wilted, speechless. I'd been so sure. And then suddenly a peculiar thing happened. A feeling inside of me. I can't quite describe it, except it must be the way a percolator feels when it starts to perk. By 3.20, I was boiling over. Uh, Miss Marriott, well, you, you can't just bust into my office. Burst, Mr. Potter, burst. There was nothing personal in my decision. You must understand. Must I, Mr. Potter? Why? 
Do you know what it feels like to have ability, to have brains, even a little talent, to have time on your hands, to want to be useful? And then to be told by someone that happiness consists of waiting at home all day until your kids get home from school and your husband from work? Uh, Mrs. Marriott, uh... Sit down, Mr. Potter. You and I are going to have a talk while you listen. I remember his phone rang a few times. I remember his secretary coming in at one point and nervously hurrying right out again. I remember he opened his mouth five or six times, but I can't remember any sounds coming out of it. Finally, I remember running out of words at 3.48 by the clock on his desk. And the long silence after that. Amazing. Amazing. I'm sorry. I just... Uh, uh, <clears throat> Mrs. Marriott? I... Uh, we... You just got yourself a job. Oh, thank you. And about a month later, the inevitable happened. What I mean is, they can't get away with phony stuff like that. What did you just say, Mike? We were talking about a movie Peg and I saw last Saturday, and I... And you uh... said the hero in it was an out-of-town buyer. No, 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 I said the hero was a flyer who was on the town. Well, that's and... right, because I was going to tell Peg about this out-of-town buyer. Uh, not Handley from Kansas City, Children's uh-huh. Wear. Oh, don't tell me, he's still around. Hey, Why, I hey, used... hey, listen, Mike said the hero was a flyer on the town. I saw yeah. him today, Peg. Did you tell him? About, about me? Uh-huh. That I think you're going back into designing? Girls, listen. I did, Peg, and he remembered you. Oh, no. Hey. Listen to this, Mike. You'll love it. Go on, Liz. Liz, Liz, Liz. Can we settle on a compromise? We'll retire Judge Kennedy, and you send Handley back to Kansas City. Sweetheart, you've just closed a deal. <laughs> Marriott will be back in a moment. In the meantime, let us extend an invitation on behalf of our stars, Jessica Tandy and Hume Cronin, as well as the National Broadcasting Company, to all of you to drop by next week at this time for another half-hour observation and transcription of the marriage. Denise Alexander is heard as Emily, with Patricia Wheel as Peg, Joseph Curtin as Mike, and Ralph Bell as Mr. Potter. And to those of you who have been so generous in writing either to the network or to the stars, to express your appreciation of the marriage, Jessica Tandy and Hume Cronin extend warm thanks. The Marriage is an NBC Radio Network production directed by Edward King. This is Bob Denton speaking. Liz. Huh? I've just been figuring... Why? After you take the maid's pay out of your salary and... Um, car fare and lunches and things like that. How much have you got left? Thirty-four cents. Why? No. Nothing. I guess I'll have to go on working. 
<laughs> Good night, dear. Good night, Mom. This is the NBC Radio Network.